Welcome to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And as you know, our show is all about exploring a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, exploring, feeling, imagining, and connected. More aware, perhaps gaining a wider perspective. I always enjoy our first Saturday of the month, because when it's the first Saturday of the month, it's the East Side Freedom Libraries. Time to share about their programs and co-host with me. And I have Peter Ratcliffe, who is my co-host, who's also the co-executive director of the East Side Freedom Library. Happy to be in that both of those roles, Lori. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, welcome, Peter. You are bringing some really interesting guests to our show this week. Yeah, so, you know, storytelling is such an important part of the Eastside Freedom Library's work, uh, both the telling and the listening, and the, our belief that art and culture uh, are great vehicles for people to tell their stories. And so this month in June... Um, among several programs that feature storytelling. Um, we're highlighting today Kirsten Whitson, uh, who is a cellist, who is bringing a solo cello piece, uh, actually four different compositions about stories of genocide and refugee status and racism in global and local history. So the story of the 38 men uh, lynched in Mankato, um, story from Cambodia, story from Florida. Um, so Kirsten is going to talk with us this morning about her presentation on June 4th. And what I love is that she did a lot of research for this. Oh, yeah. This, this is a scholarly, artistic approach. Right, right. Where she first came to study. Right, we first met because she came uh, to do research on the on the Mankato incident and then to explode it not into a speech but into an art form yes and then um our other guest this morning is brian jong uh who is a phd in ethnic studies from minnesota state university at mankato and uh a longtime board member of the Hmong archives and someone who's been involved with eastside freedom library and in his role as a Hmong educator Brian is now devoting himself to a project to publish the stories of Hmong and Hmong American people because there are so few books yet written and published by Hmong people telling their stories in their own way, in their own words. And yet, as the great Vietnamese, young Vietnamese writer Ocean Vuong was quoted in the New York Times this past week in saying, it's written for his people, but he invites other people to be eavesdroppers. I love that. And so I'm happy to take on the role of eavesdropper and listen to these Hmong stories and learn from them. I think you're eavesdropping and you're you're also getting a whole group of more eavesdroppers to, to party tootin'. with you. <laughs> Darn tootin'. Yep. Yep. So we'll be listening. We'll be uh, having a good conversation with Kirsten Whitson and Brian Jong in the second and the third segment. But in this segment, I'd, I'd like to have you share, you know, some reflection. I know at the our end we'll talk mm. about your anniversary, but mm. I'd like to bring a little bit about the anniversary into our first segment here, too. Ah, so, well, you, you know, I, I think that there, there are a number of ways that we like to think about what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And and in part, there are things that have evolved as we have done them. So there is the idea that we're promoting a conversation between the past and the present. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the idea that we're a place to produce knowledge as well as to access knowledge. Um, and the idea that we are a place for activist scholarship, the ways that um, scholars who want to change the world need to do the hard work of scholarship in order to learn from history or learn from study, um, but then they want to bring that scholarship into engagement with the world. So a year ago, we hosted a symposium on activist scholarship. Many of the presenters were former students of mine um, who had gone on from McAllister to get advanced degrees. Some had become professors, some were journalists, some were 
teachers, some are community organizers. Um, and we decided at that point, those of us that have developed the Eastside Freedom Library, that we want to make the promotion and support of activist scholarship one of the key things that, that we're doing. And so as we've thought about this great moment that, that we're coming up on here in June, uh, our fifth anniversary, it's, it's a pinch pinch, hard to believe, <laughs> um, that we wanted to celebrate that anniversary by promoting activist scholarship. And the person who immediately came to mind um, is an African-American historian and journalist named Jelani Cobb. Um, who now teaches in the journalism school at Columbia University in New York City and uh, is a regular writer for the New Yorker magazine and is the anchor of the New Yorker's podcast, um, which is reaching people from coast to coast. And so we were thrilled when Jelani said that he'd be happy to come. He knew that the very first event that we had at the Eastside Freedom Library in June of 2014 was a celebration of the African-American holiday of Juneteenth. And so Jelani suggested that he come and talk about what he called the half-life of freedom, uh, to talk about the legacy of Juneteenth, what we can learn from that history. Um, you know, we're in a moment right now where Henry Louis Gates has released this four-hour documentary film on Reconstruction on, on PBS and in a, com a companion text. And so we're rethinking what is the legacy of Reconstruction, what was accomplished by emancipation, what was left undone. Um, some of the people that we're around, and I would say I'm one of them, like to talk about the civil rights movement as the second Reconstruction and now say that here on the verge of 2020, moving into the third decade of the 21st century, we need to begin to think about what would the third Reconstruction be. And we think that Jelani will set the table for us to have that kind of conversation. I'm fascinated by the term half-life. Yes. As if it's a radiation uh -huh. impact and, uh -huh. and and how does that, how do we recover from that and how do we reshape it and how, what, what is the reconstruction right. uh, of, right. of that kind of chilling uh, impact? Right. Uh, and, and, right. and what do we need to do to make a difference? Right. And, and how is history useful? Mm -hmm. And so how do we look at history to see what was accomplished, but also to see what was not? completed and you know how can we what matters about history is what we do with it in the here and now mm -hmm. and so how do we learn from it without being limited by it mm -hmm. um, and I think this is a great moment a moment when um, there are so many recent African immigrants in the United States who are themselves trying to figure out how to navigate the racialized history of the United States, what is their relationship to African Americans whose roots are in Africa but whose knowledge and stories about all of that is quite limited? How do we, how do we build community and how do we build solidarity to move forward? One of the things I've been curious about in, in having this be a, your five-year, is it what you expected at the five-year mark or did you have a different sense of what you thought it was going to be, but it turned into something else. Um, yeah, I think it <laughs> certainly turned into others. I mean, one of the things was I really thought when we started that I was going to do this for five years. <laughs> oh, uh, so and, this and, is a scary this, mark a very for you then. Personal, it's a very personal uh -huh. uh, benchmark. Yeah. And that I still feel that, like this concept of half-life, that mm -hmm. I still feel that there's a lot still undone and a lot that I can yet personally contribute. And so I'm not ready uh, to start reading again some of the books that are on the shelves, um, that there's too much to do. Um, I think that we've been surprised by um, the generosity of people, many of them people in our neighborhood on the east side who don't have a lot of resources, and yet 
uh, they're there volunteering. They're there helping to catalog and shelve books. They're they're there to make beautiful gardens out in the yard. They're they're there in so many ways to say that they want to be part of a community and contribute to making an institution where people can grow and and discover and make their best selves. Um, so that's the, it's been exciting and gratifying to be surprised. One thing I've noticed that I really like about the Eastside Freedom Library is that it feels like everyone owns it. Oh, it, yeah. It's their Eastside Freedom Library. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. love that. It, it's mm-hmm. not like I'm going to this place. It's going to their place. Right. Our place. Right. And And we're trying to advance our work with specific communities on the Eastside to do more of what we call co-curation so that we the staff are not deciding what should happen but people in the community are so so for instance this month on saturday june 8th uh, we will have a program with an ethiopian group of artists and poets who call themselves rhythmic literature they came to us six months ago and said we're interested in what you're doing here we're creating poetry, music, and visual art. We'd like a place to share that, not only with our community, but with other communities on the east side. Could we come and do that here at the East Side Freedom Library? And now on the first Saturday, this June it'll be the second Saturday, but typically the first Saturday of every other month, Rhythmic Literature comes and presents poetry in Amharic, English, Tigrayan, uh, multiple languages, multiple forms, um, to a wide audience of people. They, came, they ce- came to us. Celebrating their culture with their community. Absolutely. And community and meaning sharing many cultures. It. That's right. Uh, That's wonderful. Right. Well, stay tuned with us because in our next segment, we'll be uh, talking about bearing witness, uh, art that is being brought to us by Kirsten Whitson. Uh, and Kirsten will share her story of creating this piece. So stay tuned and also uh, go to the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years, and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the East Side their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Homelessness. It's a problem in Carver County and every county in the United States. We need every kind of affordable housing, but especially for single young people who are trying to launch themselves. Shepherd of the Hill Church of Chaska is hosting a Tuesday dialogue, June 11th, about Launch Ministry, a successful program that is making affordable housing happen for the young people who are experiencing homelessness in Chaska. The speakers are Corey Magstead, Executive Director, and Amanda Flowers-Peterson, Program Director. The City of Chaska has approved their plans for a 16-unit building of supportive housing. Come hear them talk about what that means and get answers to your questions. I'll be your host, Reverend Dean J. Seal. Again, that's Tuesday, June 11th at 7 p.m. Shepherd of the Hill Church of Chaska is at 145 Angler Road and Highway 41 with the Big Red Chair. Free coffee. Find us on Facebook or chaskachurch.org. Be there. Aloha. 
Wild dancing, boisterous music, and a love story set against the backdrop of the Bosnian War. Park Square Theater presents Heaven by Theater in Residence Blind Foot Forum. A tale of finding common ground rather than fighting those who are different from us. Friendship, love, and painfully beautiful moments come to life through heart-stopping percussive dance. Balkan party music performed by Orkiz star BZ May and driving songs by Chan Polig of the suburbs. Heaven runs May 31st through June 23rd. Find out more at parksquaretheater.org. Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and on Connections Radio, we like to talk about ideas that matter. And we're in the first week of June, so as you know, the first week is always dedicated to the Eastside Freedom Library, and I have my co-host, Peter Ratcliffe, who is the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. Welcome. Thank you, Lori. Delighted to be here and talking to your community. It's always fun to share about all the good things that are happening at the Eastside. And uh, at the Eastside Freedom Library, you've got a program coming up with Kirsten Whitson. Right, a very special program that's using music. Music as a way to tell stories and to connect us with history and make us think about the power of that history in our present. And we're lucky this morning that we have Kirsten here in the studio with us. Welcome, Kirsten. Hi, thanks for having me. So I see here that you're having a program coming up on June 4th, which is just around the corner. You'll be at the Eastside Freedom Library, which for our listeners, that's 1105 Greenbrier Street in St. Paul. You can look up information about this also at info at eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. And what I'm really intrigued with is that you've got music uh, and words and stories that reflect genocide, global racial injustice, and cultural loss. Yes, I have a group of pieces for solo cello. The program is called Bearing Witness. And I was struck, I I was looking for cello pieces to perform just because I I was kind of stunned to realize that all of these pieces centered around these central themes and were stories of refugees being um, forced to flee their homes. And when when I realized how serious that was and how these issues are still so relevant, I decided I needed more than just playing the cello. So I created um, video segments to provide context and background history between the pieces. And those are narrated by teenagers. Um, And I, I like hearing their young voices and kind of that they point us towards a more hopeful future. Um, what was their reactions when you first asked them to um, participate and, and as they started to dig into the piece and, and to share their, um, their voices to this? I think they were intrigued and they were happy because I paid them. <laughs> um, and it was we recorded them last summer when they had a lot of free time. So I caught them at ease and they're kind of informal video clips. Um, but they they tell the stories that needed to have the music make sense. Um, and you wrote those those pieces. I did. It it was a challenge to condense six months of research into just moments of revelation for them. Um, and we, you and I, first met. You came to the Eastside Freedom Library in your research process. Yeah, that's where I started the research yeah, for this yeah. project. And. Let's talk a little bit about that. So what were you researching that brought you to the library? I did not grow up in Minnesota, and I didn't know the story about the Dakota men that were executed in Mankato by the U.S. government. That was mm-hmm. that was new, and I really wanted to learn about that. And one of the pieces that I play honors those men. It's called mm-hmm. 38 Tears. It's by Timothy Takash. Um, I also wanted to learn about the events that happened in Rosewood, Florida. Um, For those who don't know this story, in 1923, the town of Rosewood was basically burned down by a white mob. Um, Someone had falsely accused a black man of assault, and um, it just got really crazy, and they, the white mob um, killed many people, and um, they just took justice into their own hands. And 
it was especially notable that no one talked about the story for 60 years. And when it finally came to light and people started realizing what had happened, the state of Florida actually paid reparations to the survivors, uh, as they should. Um, so that's a story that I think needs to be more known. Um, and the piece um, that I play about that is by John Williams. And he wrote that after he wrote the score for the movie, Rosewood. Mm. Um, that's a really great solo cello piece, and it's actually unpublished, so I feel lucky that I can play it. And so did you have to reach out to him to get his permission to do the piece? You know, the week that I discovered that that piece existed, my sister was playing violin with the Los Angeles Philharmonic where he was conducting. And I said, please get the music. <laughs> and he had his assistant send it like the next day. Oh, that's wow. wonderful. Yeah. I love hearing all the different connections that you created i mean here you the connection with the east side freedom library and doing the research the connections that you're making between racial injustice and genocide and the aftermath but i also hear you talking about wanting this to be a piece that ultimately brings a different outlook that brings hope that brings a realization of what's happened but a choice to make better uh, decisions in the future and make better connections to people in the future yeah i'm hoping to do that and i really feel like this this program is a is a work of art more than a lecture or a history mm -hmm. lesson and i that was very important to me to let the stories and the music speak for themselves and maybe touch people in a deeper way than words do i mean words have been so polarizing especially lately and um i think music can kind of get in between those cracks and Maybe make be, a connection. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Did Did you grow up knowing that you wanted to be a cellist? Um, it was kind of picked for me when I was eight because my sisters were littler and they got violin. <laughs> <laughs> but um, by the time I was in the middle of high school, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And what do you think the cello does as an instrument compared to the violin or? the clarinet <laughs> you know i think it's really well suited for programs like this because the the cello is so close to the range of the human voice and mm -hmm. i think it speaks to many 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 people and actually i'm hoping with this program and the venue that i'm playing that people will come who have never gone to a cello concert or even heard a cello um and i think they'll be really pleasantly surprised that these pieces are so accessible and interesting and moving. I also want to make sure we do a big thank you to the Minnesota State Arts Board. Yes, I am very grateful to have been given an artist initiative grant by the Minnesota State Arts Board to create this project. So thank you, and thank you to our community of voters. What's wonderful that I, I'm seeing more and more is the Minnesota State Arts Board is really looking to develop art and community. Mm -hmm. and, and this is a wonderful example of how art can be celebrated in community. Absolutely. Many of their artist initiative grants require the artist to do a public presentation in a community setting. So um, I think it's something that Kirsten would have wanted to do regardless, mm -hmm. as do many of the artists that we meet. But it's a great way to think about the arts in Minnesota and the kind of public culture um, that the Eastside Freedom Library is part of and that so many of our institutions benefit from. Kirsten, thank you so much for coming. I want to encourage our audience, June 4th, 7.30, Eastside Freedom Library. For more information, you can go to info at eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. This promises to be a very moving um, and inspirational program, and I want you to be there and be a part of it. So we'll be right back. Uh, stay tuned. More to come. Great stories ahead. I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the East Side's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the East Side Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. 
This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. Check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP, or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. Hi, Matt McNeil for Rudy Luther Toyota. My first Toyota and the vehicle which made me fall in love with Toyotas was the RAV4. Now, Toyota is just teasing me as they have an all-new, fully redesigned RAV4. It's gorgeous. A distinct exterior that pops and a refined interior which has everything you want and room to move. And the big news is the RAV4 now comes in a hybrid version. Remember, every new Toyota comes with Toyota Care. Two years of free maintenance. Test drive the new RAV4 today at Rudy Luther Toyota, the southeast corner of 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. Hi, it's Tom Hartman. You know, Continental Diamond is special for a lot of reasons. The owners are Jimmy and Helene Pessis, a husband and wife team who had a dream to open their own store more than 30 years ago. They built a business that is the gold standard. The readers of Minnesota Bride Magazine have named Continental Diamond the best jeweler for the last seven years. Why? Amazing, friendly, no-pressure customer service, a selection of fine diamonds and design jewelry unlike anywhere else, and the fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies are pretty great, too. Continental Diamond in St. Louis Park and at ContinentalDiamond.com. Connections Radio Show is all about tapping into our hardwired hunger to connect. We examine meaningful connections to ourselves, our community, and the world around us by opening the door to innovative insights by a wide variety of interesting guests. We'll make the connections to something bigger than ourselves. Join me, Lori Fitz, your host of Connections Radio Show, and together we'll make the connections. Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly cloudy skies today with a high near 72. Tonight, clear with a low around 48. Sunday, sunny with a high near 70. And Monday, sunny with a high around 75. During Standard's Ready, Set, Save sale, you can save $900 on a new ductless unit or air conditioner. That's what we call cool cash. Learn more about getting your $900 in savings at standardheatingdeals.com. Standard heating and air conditioning, comfort you deserve. Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and we have Peter Ratcliffe, my co-host, who is the exec co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library and has joined me on the first Saturday of the month for several months now and will be continuing to join me on the first Saturday of the month to celebrate the Eastside Freedom Library. I look forward to it every month. Thank you. I do, too. Um, what a wonderful conversation uh, with Kirsten. Yes. About yeah. her beautiful piece. Yeah. And, and you know, I think we we want to be a place where Minnesotans aren't afraid to have difficult conversations. And so sometimes we grow and learn through the difficult ones and not just the fun ones. I also love that she not only wanted to tackle a a huge and difficult issue and bring music to seep through the edges, but she also wanted to have it be performed in a place where people may not have heard a cello right. before, right. Uh, may not have gone to a concert. Um, and I could just see she lit up when yes. she talked about yeah. that. And, yeah. and and she herself is an educator as yeah. well. Yeah. And speaking you know, of edu education, um, our next guest, Brian Jung, is a Hmong educator who you have brought for a – to preview a program yes. coming up, but also to share the relationship that the Eastside Freedom Library has with the Hmong community. Absolutely. So why don't so, you start us off with that? Sure. So when we started the library five years ago, we reached out immediately to Marlon Heiss, who was the founder and curator of the Hmong archives. And I knew as a historian 
that the Hmong archives was the most important collection of Hmong documentary materials anywhere in the world, and that their home at that time was Marlin's home, which was not necessarily very accessible uh, for researchers and students to come and use. And so we wanted the Hmong archives to have a place where they could stretch their wings and spread out, and a place where both Hmong students and non-Hmong students could come and, and learn their history. And I think one of the things that we've discovered is the richness of the Hmong archives does not include a lot of books written by Hmong people themselves because their venture into written storytelling and publishing books is relatively recent, which is why we're so excited about the work um, that Brian and Fu are doing with the Hmong Educational Resources Publishing. Brian, welcome. We're so glad you're here today. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. We had the chance to have a little chat before our show today, and you shared some about your background, your recent PhD. Uh, congratulations. Oh, well, thank you. And you've taught in ethnic studies, uh, but you've been inspired to to do something more. Tell us about your story, about what you're doing now that that um, is helping to bring voices to to the community. Sure. Let me just say that, you know, as a gay mom myself, it was very challenging, hard for me in a community where there is no word for gay or LGBT in the language. And I was struggle to find out who I am throughout my whole years. And, you know, I decided that maybe I should do research about gay mom experiences. And then I went to college at Southwest Minnesota State University in Marshall, graduated from there, and then pursued to a master at Minnesota State University in Mankato and also a PhD there. And I became a college professor and I taught and raised in ethnic studies. And I realized that there are, there is many books writing about Hmong, um, gay Hmong experience, um, Hmong experience in the, in the United States. So I, you know, f- trying to figure out my own identity, and I f- did this research about gay Hmong experience. What does it mean to be Hmong and Minnesotan, and what does it mean to live in two worlds? So I did my research on gay Hmong experience in 2017, complete my PhD, and I did my presentation at the East Side Freedom Library. And then there are still more stories out there. You know, there are youth, parents, um, um, writers, teachers. They have stories to tell. They just need a place where they could find connections. So my partner, Fui, and I, we decided that, hey, what if we create a herd publisher, which is then for Hmong Educational Resources Publisher, to provide a space where teachers, students, or individuals who might identify gay lesbian to share their voice and connect with the community beyond just the state of Minnesota. So we reach out to teachers, students, they, they wrote their story and they want to publish and we say, we help you publish. So in June 18, next two weeks, we have the students, a high school student from Park Center High School, and their teacher won't be coming and talk about three books they have you know, they have published. The first book they wrote was titled "The Cultural Dish." Student wrote about experiences with the parents in the summer. Um, what kind of what kind of favorite food they like? Um, <laughs> what do they do at the farm with the parents and uh-huh. grandparents? And their favorite dishes. And the second book they wrote is about Dear My Teachers. And that book, student wrote about the experience being among students in K-12 school setting. And, you know, they were quiet. You know, they're not like other American students. And they want the teacher to know about their own experience at school and also at home and what does it mean to live in cross-cultural society. And the last book they wrote is called um, from Mountain to 10,000 Lakes. And that's the book they will be talking next uh, month. Um, the teacher student want, want to talk and share with everyone about what, you know, the experience and their poem. Um, what does it mean to be a Hmong girl? What does it mean to be a Hmong boy? And what does it mean to carry on your culture while you are living in this changing world of 
mainstream society. So that space is not the Hmong educational resources a space to provide um, resources for teachers during to write their book and their story and be out there and just have a connection. I love the trajectory of your self-discovery and research to creating a platform, a foundation for others. I mean, that allows them to have the springboard for their own self-discovery as well, giving them the chance to journey in, into self-discovery and publish their words, their poetry, their experiences. And from your perspective, how wonderful it is to go from the, the Hmong archives that is about the Hmong community to now having their voice, their story be Absolutely. shared. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the things that we emphasize at the Eastside Freedom Library is that we're a space where there's lots of knowledge for people to access, but we're also a space where people come to create new knowledge. And Brian and Fu's project, this Hmong Educational Resources, is such a great example, such a model of how people can create new knowledge and share that with others. How did you stumble upon the Eastside Freedom Library? Sure. I was a board at you know, the Hmong Archives for many, many years when I was a college student and until I became a faculty. And the Eastside Freedom such a space for the community. And I thought, where is a better place to share the stories than Eastside Freedom Library is in the heart of the Hmong community in St. Paul, which is between the Hmong Market, you know, the Hmong Village Shopping Mall, and also the Hmong Common Town Market. And a lot of Hmong uh, family, they stopped by the Eastside Freedom Library, and we thought, well, if we need a, a space, a place to share the stories, the Eastside Freedom Library provides a free space for the students, the community, so why not? And that's where people can come together and connect with each other. And not everyone knows that um, St. Paul is the most densely populated Hmong community for a city. Uh, and that there's great pride in having this be, you know, a center for the Hmong community, for the country. Absolutely. St. Paul had the largest Hmong community, you know, members, uh, the largest Hmong population. And... Many, many Hmong out there, they're looking forward to, you know, have a space opportunity to share their stories and Eastside Freedom Library provide the space. And we are grateful for the library and what Peter and Beth have done for the Mo'akai and also for the community there. So on June 18th from 6 to 7.30 at the Eastside Freedom Library, and once again, that's 1105 Greenbrier Street in St. Paul, uh, folks can come and hear these stories. Absolutely, and meet these young people. And uh, what a great way to end the school year um, and and to add new books to the archive. And um, it's really a great opportunity for us all. Well, a question I have for you that I had for Kirsten as well, and Kirsten also worked with high school students in producing her piece. What has it been like um, for that next step to work with young people and help them um, see their vision uh, come to reality? I have to admit, when I look at the, the book covers, they're beautiful. This is very professionally done. This is high quality. Um, there must be a great aha moment and affirmation to see their, their work have such a professional um, rendition for them. Sure. Well, when I look at what the student wrote and the design, and they remind me of me. And that means this student's so talented. And they and talented and not only in head but in heart. Mm-hmm. And they just need someone you know, to guide them, to get their story out, to guide them, to mentor them how to put everything together. And we have many young people, oh, they're so talented. And when I look at them, I go, wow, they remind me of my own journey. I wish I have a space like the Eastside Freedom Library or the Hmong Educational Resource Publisher so I can put my story together and be out there. Um, That's the only thing I could comment at this point. Was there an aha moment, a story that was in particular something that just struck you as you were working with these young people? You know, when I read the student papers and their poem and they talk about their own journey at home and living with the parents who don't speak English or parents who work two full-time jobs, that reminds my own journey with my parents as well, you know, where... 
when you are Hmong and your parents don't speak the language, you become parents to your parents. You're the translator. And you're the translator. And that's mm-hmm. an aha moment. And you go, wow, yeah, I've been through that. And I know what's like to be in their shoes. And, and now they're going through the same thing. And yes. sometimes responsibilities at too young of an age to, to have to carry that that responsibility. Yes. Yes. And yet, be but, able to interpret. Yeah, and but I think that part of what's valuable to us at the Eastside Freedom Library is that this is not a story that is peculiar right. to the Hmong people. Mm-hmm. That if our Swedish descended and Italian descended neighbors mm-hmm. could speak to their great grandparents, they would hear the same stories. Mm-hmm. And as we interact with our new neighbors from Burma, the Karen. Uh, or our neighbors from Ethiopia, the Oromo, um, we would find, again, the, the challenges that children face of having a foot in two cultures and the responsibility of, of being their parents' translators and interpreters. And, and so when we get an opportunity to look at the Hmong experience carefully, it not only teaches us about the Hmong, but it holds up a mirror to ourselves to look at ourselves in, in new ways. Brian, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and continue to do. Uh, I'm excited about uh, the upcoming June 18th program and also excited about the future of the works that you will be uh, publishing. Well, there's more to come, I am sure about that. And if you're interested in learning more about this, you can check it out at the eastsidefreedomlibrary.org. Uh, go to the website, check out all the events there, but particularly check out what's going on on June 18th and hear more about the Hmong experience. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Wild dancing, boisterous music, and a love story set against the backdrop of the Bosnian War. Park Square Theater presents Heaven by Theater in Residence Flying Foot Forum. A tale of finding common ground rather than fighting those who are different from us. Friendship, love, and painfully beautiful moments come to life through heart-stopping percussive dance. Balkan party music performed by Orkiz star BZ May. And driving songs by Chan Polig of the suburbs. Heaven runs May 31st through June 23rd. Find out more at parksquaretheater.org. Visit the wine bar at Cafe Latte and enjoy a unique handcrafted pizza and glass of wine. The perfect place for an intimate night or an evening with friends. Choices range from spicy Italian sausage and sweet roasted peppers to the one-of-a-kind nacho chicken pizza layered with blue corn tortilla chips. The approachable wine list offers over 30 by the glass with special emphasis on wines from Washington State. End your night with one of Cafe Latte's melt-in-your-mouth desserts, 850 Grand Avenue, St. Paul. I'm Rick Unger. You've heard the screamers. You've heard the shouters, the haters, the beraters. Well, now it's time to listen to a real conversation, a rational conversation. Now it's time for The Rick Unger Show. Listen to The Rick Unger Show every weekday from 5 to 7 p.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Stream at am950radio.com or search KTNF on the TuneIn app. Tom Hartman here telling you that solar energy isn't just for environmentalists. Switching to all-energy solar is actually perfect for reducing your carbon footprint while also saving money on your monthly electric bill. The fact that solar panels cause no earth-harming emissions while it's producing energy is a bonus. Who in the world could object to that? But they can also help you save money month after month for decades. And they do it with a clean footprint. So go green and start saving money today by visiting allenergysolar.com. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is having their annual service special. Every stove, insert, and fireplace needs maintenance. Get it done now and save $40. You'll be ready to fire up before the cold weather hits again. From 94, take the Riverside Avenue exit and go east to 2901 Franklin Avenue. See the Twin Cities' most diverse selection of clean-burning, reliable, and environmentally smart stoves and fireplaces. Hi, I'm Peter Solak, owner of Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. Have you ever watched your dog or cat curl up in front of a fire like a Norman Rockwell painting brought to life. It's primordial the way fire touches both the animal and the human. We have the equipment and the know-how to supply, install, and maintain stoves and fireplaces. Call us at 612-338-6606 and take advantage of our spring cleaning and maintenance special. We are online at woodlandstoves.com. The mission and the passion of Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces is to make the fire work for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. 
Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. I have Peter Ratcliffe, my co-host, who is also the co-executive director of the Eastside Freedom Library. Love being here, Lori. Thank you. Oh, Peter, it's always a joy. You bring such interesting people and great conversations. Uh, loved hearing uh, about Kirsten's work that she's developing for her uh, for the uh, coming up right, June fourth. June fourth. Yep. And really integrating very powerful things mm-hmm. with the uh, cello, working with students to create pieces of art to give us context. Uh, and not to have something to be lectured to, although lectures are wonderful, but how to experience the emotions of mm-hmm. the piece in terms of uh, genocide and mm-hmm. cultural loss and um, what does it mean um, to live through these challenging times that we're facing now right. uh, by right. looking at the history. You, you've often mentioned yes. history serves us to be able to give us a guide mm-hmm. as we're mm-hmm. navigating through difficult yeah. times. Yeah. And speaking of uh, history, five years yeah. celebration, yeah. June twelfth. Yep. So you know we're we're marking the event as we typically do things. You know, a it has to happen in the library. We're not interested in going to some big event center, um, and so that limits the size of the crowd, and it's kind of bittersweet for me to say we're sold out that mm. that we're hoping for 120 people and we've got them wonderful. uh coming to hear this wonderful activist scholar jelani cobb uh talking about the half-life of freedom um and we're you know we're seeing this as a way to have a conversation about our responsibility to engage the world that we live in, to produce new knowledge, to generate conversations that otherwise don't take place. And, and Brian Zhang in our last segment, right. what a brilliant young yes. man. Yeah. And how yeah. exciting to see him uh, be invigorated by, through his own self-discovery, allowing others he sort of holds them through right. the process of their self-discovery right. and, and part of this event on june 12th will be you know an audience that includes Hmong people karen people mm. european descended white people you know all of us there listening to this african-american journalist africa uh act- activist scholar um, you know, and and comparing the experiences that he talks about to our own, and thinking about how we can knit it all together uh, to make the future better, and and I think you know this is a great opportunity to talk about a project that's just taking shape, that in many ways was hatched because of our relationship with the Connections show and AM 950. And that is our relationship with C.N. Thomas and ABC Realty on the east side of St. Paul. That is so um, exciting. And and they came to us uh, and said they wanted to do some programming around the concept of the housing gap. Uh, and that is the gap in Minnesota uh, between white home ownership, which is at about 75 and African-American home ownership, which is at about 25%. And, and I remember our first conversation. I mean, she's just brilliant yes. and, and has such a passion right. um, to provide opportunities for financial upward mobility through home ownership. Right. And, and stability and, the, and yes, security. Yes. Yep. yep. And then to see, you know, initially she her her goal was to help support us with the mm-hmm. show, which was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, but as we partnered more and more, you know, the discovery of the programs that she could do at the Eastside Freedom Library and the right. ongoing partnership right. just thrills me. Right. So we had an event back in April. I suspect that Many of the listeners might remember that there was a night in April where we had a terrible <laughs> snowstorm, and we had picked that night to have an event to talk about not just what is the housing gap, but how do we close the housing gap. And 60 people showed up on a rotten, snowy, cold night. So uh, it's, it's a priority. It's yeah, a it, clearly. And yeah. and the under CN's leadership, we broke the audience very quickly into discussion groups and and I had the joy of watching people talk to each other and listen to each other talk about not a lecture 
uh, these were real conversations. And um, in the aftermath of that, we said, what are we, those of us who convened that meeting, what are we going to do? How are we going to keep this conversation going? And we knew that TPT Television, Channel 2, had, through the work of young Daniel Pierce Bergen, who's a wonderful filmmaker, uh, had created two documentary films, one called Sold Out and a more recent one called Jim Crow in the North, and that we wanted to convene community events to watch these films and talk about them. I've been very eager to show a new film called Detroit 48202, which is a film about the deindustrialization of Detroit, narrated on site by an African-American letter carrier who leads the camera person through his neighborhood, pointing out the consequences of the closing of automobile factories in Detroit. So we're going to have three nights um, in July where we show these films. But we're going to begin this whole phase of the series with a panel discussion on the labor movement and the fight for housing justice. And that's going to be on June 25th. We have a spectacular panel of people uh, from the Electricians Union, from Service Employees Healthcare Minnesota, um, from the Minneapolis Regional Labor Federation, and from community organizations in Frogtown on the east side who will be talking about the various ways that the labor movement can contribute to closing the housing gap. So we're going to launch the series on June 25th with that and then have a series of films and discussions. And then the second Tuesday in August, we're going to have a large community conversation about how do we go forward from there. So it's a great example to me of, you know, you were asking earlier about um, what what has surprised us. And, and I think we never had an idea, you know, a blueprint. This is how we're going to tackle racism as it manifests itself in housing. But through conversations with people in our community, like C.N. Thomas and ABC Realty, through conversations facilitated by you and AM 950 and, um, and Connections Radio, um, we have together created more than any of us could have imagined, planned, carried out alone. And I think the the next five years of the Eastside Freedom Library are going to be about how do we have these conversations with the labor movement, with different communities of color and immigrants, with different media platforms. How do we carry these conversations into making the society better? A toast to the activist scholar. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Listen in. Join the conversation and be a part of the Eastside Freedom Library.